listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to talk about four dangerous lies that Christians believe. And I put in the, in the titles, do you believe these? Because it's important to understand that uh, it's truth that sets us free. Truth sets us free. So what does the devil do? Because he has no power over us, he has no actual, I mean, Jesus took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And then he said, I give unto you all power. So know this from the top, the devil doesn't have power over you. And so if he doesn't have power over you, what can he actually do? He can work to deceive you. That's what he can do. And that's what he does do. The Bible says he's the father of lies. It's how he worked from the very beginning of time. The Bible says that he approached Eve in the garden in the form of the serpent and he began to question immediately what God said. Isn't that interesting? He said, did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees of the garden? Well, look right, right off the bat, he's skewing the words of God for his own purposes. God didn't say that they couldn't eat from any of the trees in the garden. God just pointed it to and said, don't touch these. And so notice, immediately the devil comes in and begins to question God's word and then he begins to skew God's word. Let me tell you something. The devil knows scripture. And the devil, he knows how to give you 1% truth, 99% deception. And he'll give you something that sounds right sometimes. It's, and, and in fact, by the way, all four of these things that I'm going to give you today, they sound right in a certain context. They sound like they're doctrinal. They sound like they're scriptural, but they're really destructive. They're destructive if you believe them, uh, even though they may sound right. And that's what the devil does. He gives you things that sound correct so that you'll believe them. It's like the bait on a hook. A, a, a fish is never going to just swallow a hook. There needs to be bait. You have to actually see something that you want on that hook in order to put your mouth around it. And then the hook, which is unseen, then grabs you. It's the same with these types of lies is that you see something appealing, something that sounds good, feels good, and then when you actually take it, there's a hook that drags you into destruction. And I'll explain that today as we go through the four. But you need to understand that the devil skews God's word and the devil deceives people into believing things that will destroy their lives. And so we have to understand this because the Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter eight and verse 32, that you will know the truth and the truth that you know will set you free or make you free. It'll set you free or make you free. So notice there's no, there's no freedom that's coming without the truth of God's word. I don't care. I don't care what anyone does. Freedom does not come in the absence of the truth of God's word. That would be something good to write in the comments section. Uh, those of you that are watching Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, uh, freedom does not come in the absence of of the truth of God's word. Freedom does not come in the absence of the truth of God's word. That's found in John chapter eight and verse 32. 
the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth that you know will make you free. And uh, it's important to understand that because we've got to have truth. I love that. Jesus taught that. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So understand, we've got to have the truth of God's word operating in our lives in order for us to be fruitful and free. The Bible says this in the Old Testament, even God is speaking to his people and he says this, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed. Notice in that verse, he says nothing at all about the devil attacking. He doesn't say, my people are destroyed because the devil is attacking them and he's got power to take them out. No, God doesn't say that. The Bible says that people are destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. The knowledge of what? God's word. Because God's word is what brings the freedom. Amen. Exactly. Joel makes a great point. My friend Joel Toller, he's over in the UK. This is what he's saying on Facebook. Those that know the truth should be made free, uh, not those who know what is true physically. So, for example, he's pointing out the difference, which I've talked about multiple times, how there's facts and then there's truth. And truth is always higher than the facts. So even if the doctor may say to somebody, uh, I'm sorry, we found cancer in your body. Well, we're not trying to deny the, the facts like some do. Well, that's not true. It's not there. No, we understand that there's truth and that it, you may, or that there's facts and the doctor may diagnose you. But the truth is greater than that fact. And watch this. The truth can change the facts. Facts are temporary, but truth remains forever. So the truth is, by his stripes, you were healed. The facts may say cancer, but the truth says, by his stripes, you were healed. So understand, and that's a great point, Joel, that the, the, the truth can change the facts and the truth is higher than the facts. So without the truth of this word, then we do not have the freedom that comes from this word. You know, the Bible says God speaking about his own word. He said in Isaiah 55, 11, that when I sent my word forth, that it always accomplishes what I send it to do, never returns to me empty or void, and it prospers in the thing whereunto I've sent it. And so understand the truth changes the natural realm. You see that? Now Joel's taking shots at me about my soccer team. See that? Taking shots. Listen, it's not the time. I'm just telling you, Joel, I'm already in a deep depression over what's going on with Arsenal <laughs> in the British Premier League. I don't know what's going on. Um, you can see I'm wearing another team's jersey today. <laughs> I've switched to the Brazilian League just for today. Uh, but you understand the truth changes the facts. And so when I give you these four in just a moment, I want you to notice this, that as I read them to you, they'll sound right. They'll sound right. But really when I explain it and you'll see it from scripture, they're deceptive and they actually bring destruction if you believe those truths or those uh, principles. Hey, Adrian, good to see you today. So let's jump into this. What's the first one? The first one is one you've heard a lot. You've heard this a lot if you've been in church for any period of time. Number one lie that is destructive for the life of a believer. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Have you ever heard that before? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You ever heard somebody say it? And, and it's a lie. The Bible does not teach that. Thanks for sowing, Joel. I appreciate it. The Bible does not teach 
that we are sinners saved by grace. Doesn't teach that at all. What does it actually teach? It teaches that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read what Paul taught the church in Corinth. And this is, this is not semantics, by the way. If you think, well, you're just mincing words. No, 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 no. I am not. I am not just uh, saying, well, you know, it's, it's just two different ways of, uh, of saying the same thing. No, it's not two different ways of saying the same thing. That's right, Ed. I dedicated this whole broadcast to the Flemingistas. And apparently you're one of them. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Look at this. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. So stop right there and, and let's take in what this is saying. Very, very important that you get this. Anybody who's in Christ is a new creation. You're not even the same person you were before. A new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold. Now, I love that word behold because it actually means take a look. Take a look. Behold, all things have become new. So you can't continue to confess and claim, well, brother, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You know, when you talk like that, it makes it makes you uh, seem like that you're just somebody that was broken, that God somehow came in and duct taped this blanket of grace over the top of your imperfections. That is not what Paul taught. That is not what the Bible teaches. If you understand Pauline revelation, the revelation that Paul received from Christ, it was not that we're just these old beings that somehow now the blood of Jesus covers us. That's Old Testament theology. Understand that. That's Old Testament theology. What do I mean by that? In the Old Testament, they had to give an atonement offering every year for the covering of their sins. That's an important point. They had to give an atonement blood offering annually for the covering of their sins. Now, understand that was old. Their sins were just covered. There was no savior. There was no redeemer. So God, by their obedience, instead of looking at their sins, looked at the blood that covered their sins. And for a year, it was acceptable to cover their sins until the next year came and they had to do it again. That is not the case in the New Testament. Our sins are not covered by the blood. Our sins are not hidden by the blood. No, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, he was crucified for what? The remission of sins. That means that your sins are taken away. In fact, two different things are said about this, about your sins in the Bible. Uh, one of the things that is said is this, God removes them from you as far as the East is from the West. That's infinitely. Because you, as far as we know, you can travel East as long as you want, even in space, just keep going that direction. In, in space, go West. I mean, as long as you want infinitely remove them from your life. And then God said this, your sins have been cast into a sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more, to be remembered no more. So any type of confession like this 
is literally, you, you know, you know what this is? This is really bringing back to remembrance your sins. I always ask people, why should you remember something that God has already forgotten for eternity? It's foolishness. It's what the devil does to keep people in guilt and shame about their past so that they don't have the boldness to enter into the presence of God and obtain mercy and grace in the time of need. Why do we need this kind of boldness? I want to show you why. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6. Good morning, Ro. Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, let's go to uh, verse 16. Verse 16, notice, notice why we need to be free from guilt and shame. Notice why we need to be free from that old carnal man's understanding of, well, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not a sinner. Because if the devil can get you to believe that about yourself, well, even though you're saved, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. What is he doing? He keeps putting your focus on what you used to be, the dead man, not on who you are now. And so what does it do? It constantly brings back into your mind your mistakes and the shame and guilt of how you lived in the past. And notice what happens. The more, when you view yourself in that way, what does the Bible say in Proverbs 23, 7? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you view yourself as dirty, you will act like you're dirty. If you view yourself as an imperfected sinner that's just barely getting by, you'll act like that. And so what does that mean? You'll, does someone like that, do you think they feel like they can go stand in the presence of God boldly? No, they'll feel it and they'll say, I can't stand, I can't even come into his presence. I'm, I'm so filthy as a sinner. Even many of our songs, I mean, the songs we sing in, in 2019, 2020, these worship songs, why are they all focused on the imperfection of humanity? That's not the message of scripture. The message of scripture is the perfection of Christ has brought humanity into the perfection of heaven. Otherwise, how could Jesus say, be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect? You can't do that without Christ and the new creation realities. So understand, Hebrews 4.16, listen to this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How can you even do that if you've got this mental picture? Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, brother. I'm just, oh, I'm broken, but God knows my, no, no, no. That's not who you are. And that's not how you should view yourself to be. And if you do, it's destructive to your Christian life because you'll never step out on faith. You'll never do what God's called you to do. You'll always have an insecurity about who God called you to be and who he's made you. You can't think like that. There's a renewing of the mind that has to happen and an understanding this new creation reality. I'm not the same person I used to be. I am changed. I am new. I am, you know, think about it this way. God didn't even create everything that was created in the six days of creation at the beginning of time. He saved one creation for thousands of years later after Jesus would come and that's the new creation. That's you and that's me. We are a VIP creation of God. Think about that. We are a VIP creation of God. 
that he waited thousands of years to create. And now we're no longer the same people that we used to be. Now we are brand new. My sins are not covered by the blood. My sins have been removed from my life and they're now so far removed from me that they can never be brought back. And God can never remember them because he's thrown them into a sea of forgetfulness. So the first lie that Christians are believing all over the world is that they're just sinners saved by grace. I hear it talked about all the time. And what happens? Even in our preaching and in our teaching and in our worship, it comes out. You know, uh, I was just listening to, uh, or just looking up some lyrics from these worship songs and these, these popular Christian songs. You can't even hardly listen to K-Love anymore because it's just unlistenable. The stuff that's on there is like unlistenable. I did a whole podcast uh, entitled, Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? It's the most listened to podcast episode I've ever released on my podcast. Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? And I broke down the lyrics of reckless love, even though it wasn't popular at the time. It wasn't popular to talk against America's favorite worship song, but it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's popular or not. It's not scriptural. It's not in the Bible. So I don't, it's, it's like saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, condemn uh, Highway to Hell by ACDC because it was a very popular song. It doesn't matter. It's not scriptural. <laughs> it's like a guy said one time, he said, you know, if you listen to these songs backwards, there's demonic messages in the songs if you listen to them backwards. <laughs> I, I heard a guy say one time, he's like, oh, really? I don't know if you've listened to them forwards, but they're not too great that way either, champ. <laughs> it's called I'm on a highway to hell. It's not too great that way. Um, but you understand that there's these, I was looking up these lyrics and um, one of them was, we're just all sinners with filthy hands. I would never sing that about myself, ever. If I'm in churches, if, I, if I'm ever in a church that's singing one of these ridiculous worship songs with these confessions that are not scriptural, I'll not sing them. I may be standing in the pew, the seat, whatever. You'll not see me sing them. I'm not going to lift my hands in worship. I'm just a sinner with filthy hands. Thank you, Jesus. No. Not going to lift my hands in worship to that. Not going to sing it. The best you're going to see me doing at that point is praying in tongues because I'm not singing that foolishness that was written by some numbskull that doesn't understand the Bible or what it teaches. You know what? I feel like if people are going to say, if people are going to write worship music, they should at least be required to have some kind of Bible training or teaching. It's crazy. I'm not going to sing it. It's, it's, why would I sing something that contradicts what God said in his word? Ask yourself that. Why would I sing or say anything that contradicts what God said in his word? Let me ask you a question. If, uh, if God was in the room with you, if he was literally in the room with you or Jesus, if Jesus was there, and Jesus said to you, you're a new creation. Would you contradict Jesus and say, no, I'm not. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just an old sinner with filthy hands. I mean, like literally, would you, would you contradict Christ if he was standing in the room with you saying, hey, you're a new creature. No, I'm not. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner with filthy hands. No one, why, no one that would even have the boldness 
No one would even have the boldness to contradict Christ. That's a foolish thought, but still, we're doing it when we sing these songs that contradict what's in his word. We're contradicting the Holy Ghost. We're contradicting the Father, Jehovah. We're contradicting Christ. And so you have to understand, I refuse. That's another one, yeah. You give and take away. I, Josh said that, that that song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, where the bridge says you, he gives and takes away. I was in a church one time and they were. They, I was just getting ready to preach. And my cousin and I used to talk about this all the time, Jonathan, that anytime we plan a worship or a, a, a healing or miracle service, somebody would get up before we preached and literally sing one of the three songs that would just suck the anointing out of the room. One of them was that he gives and takes away improperly quoting the words of Job from the book of Job that he got rebuked for saying for three chapters by Elihu and then rebuked again after that by God himself to the point at the end of the book of Job, Job says, I have to apologize. I was talking about things I had no idea about. And so people get up. He gives and takes away. Right before we're believing for miracles for people. I got so ticked off in one service. I just sat down on the front row opened my notebook and wrote a new message called He Gives and Takes Away. And then I got up and laid into it for like an hour and a half on all the things he truly gives and all the things he takes away. He takes away sickness. He takes away disease. He takes away poverty. He takes away depression. He takes away anxiety. He takes away suicidal thoughts. He takes away broken relationships. I went down the list these nut jobs that believe that if somebody, you know, you know, somebody loses something good, you know, well, sometimes he takes away, brother. It's not in the Bible. And so I can't deal with this. You know, these people that they have no idea what, what the scripture says, and I'm supposed to sing it. I'm supposed to say it. And one of them is I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner with filthy hands. No, I'm not. Foolishness. Uh, Ruth, the name of the podcast was uh, episode was entitled, Are We Singing? unscriptural worship songs are we singing unscriptural worship songs yeah you can look at it that way dory but that's not how they're singing it i mean it's just not how they're singing it. and so you have to understand yeah there you go podcast tiffany thank you she's on the ball podcast episode 34 are we singing unscriptural worship songs for anybody that wants to go back and uh, and listen to the full podcast episode it was number 34 um, and it's only labeled that way, I think, on Apple because I, I give my mine my own. Tiffany, can you give me what my mine is for it? Because other other podcast outlets like Stitcher, Google Google Podcasts, Spotify are not going to have that thirty four number. So it should be something like eighteen thirty one or something like that at the end. If you could let me know what that is, and you guys can go back and listen to it if you want to, because it's important. It, it's important to understand that we need to talk properly. Speak the word because this is truth. This is the only truth there is. And if we don't line ourselves up with this truth, then we're going to be missing out on freedom that really belongs to us through Christ. He wants you to be free. And it's important that you activate truth in order to step into freedom. Amen. Hey, Pastor Billy, God bless you. And uh, you're welcome, Ruth, as well. And I know Tiffany will give me that uh, number in a minute because it's, it's usually like at the end. I usually do like episode 1831 or 1911, depending on the year and the, it's the year. And then the episode in the year is how I, how I did that. So like 1831 would be like the 31st podcast in 2018. 
Uh, so it's, it's usually at the end of the podcast. Anyway, uh, let's let's jump to number two. The second lie. Oh, thank you, Cody. Uh, the second lie that Christians believe extremely dangerous, extremely destructive, is this thought. And think how think about how correct this sounds. God is in control, and you hear this all the time when quote unquote things aren't going right. There's my friend. Ed Vargas, love you, buddy. You hear this all the time. 18, thank you, Tiff. 1823 is the podcast. Uh, if you're on Stitcher, Spotify, or any of the other Google podcasts, any of the other outlets other than Apple, Apple, for some reason, puts those weird numbers in front of my podcast. I'm trying to figure out how to get it off because I number mine separately. But it's podcast episode 1823, uh, if you go back and get it. Um, the second one is God is in control. You know, and people use this anytime something's not going right. Uh, so anytime there's an issue, you know, just remember, brother, God's in control. Something bad happens. Brother, God's in control. Just keep, we don't understand now, but remember, God's in control. By the way, let me give you this because I wrote it down. The first one, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. This goes with it. It's an excuse for weakness. It's an excuse for weakness. Number two, God is in control. It's an excuse for laziness. It's an excuse for laziness so that we don't have to do what we're commanded to do because God's in control. So the first one was an excuse for weakness. This second one, this lie, is an excuse for laziness. What do I mean by that? Well, listen to this. Hosea chapter 8, and I want to read you verse 4. This is in the New Living, Hosea 8, 4. The people, this is God speaking, by the way, the people have appointed kings without my consent and princes without my knowledge by making idols for themselves from their silver and gold. And they have brought about their own destruction. You see that? Hosea chapter eight, verse four. The Bible says, God speaking, the people have appointed kings without my consent which means God doesn't force everything that happens in the world. He doesn't force it. They've appointed kings. You don't think there were wicked kings? What do you think? God appointed Adolf Hitler as the ruler of Germany in the 1930s and 40s? Do you honestly think that that was God's doing? People that believe in the true extreme sovereignty of God, that he's, he does everything for his own purposes. Do you honestly think that Hitler was appointed by God? What about Mussolini? What about uh, Stalin? What about Mao Zedong? You think that God appointed all of those leaders in history that killed multi-millions of people with a spirit of antichrist? No. People can do things that are outside of God's control. That's what free will is all about. If you sin, did God make you sin? Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't. And so anytime things happen that people don't agree, well, you know, brother, God's in control. No, he's not in control of everything. And one of the things that he's not in control of is whether or not the harvest of souls is reaped around the world. He gave that job to the church, to the believers. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. They that believe and are baptized will be saved. Those that don't believe will be damned. Is it God's fault if people go to hell? Absolutely not. Is it God's fault if people don't hear the gospel? Absolutely not. 
He loved the world. And let me tell you what he did do by sovereign choice. Send Jesus to the earth. There's nothing that uh, we could have done to force God to send Jesus. No human action could have forced God to send Jesus. He did it because he loved the world. That's it. That's it. And, and so now that we have Jesus, we have the responsibility of preaching the gospel and seeing souls saved. Listen to this. Notice this. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. Let me go there. Matthew 10 and verse 8. Listen to this. Now, this is Jesus sending out the 12 apostles. This is very, very important. And understand this. He said, and I'll start with verse 5. We'll read through verse 8. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at this, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. So notice, if you've taken an English class, you'll understand that you is the understood subject of the sentence. Notice what Jesus was saying to the disciples. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cleanse the lepers. You cast out demons. If God is in control, why is he giving responsibilities? And if he's, why is he giving uh, commands to human men to do godly things? If God's in control, won't he just heal those that he wants healed? If God's in control, won't he just eject the demons that are in people that he wants to be free? Won't he just uh, cleanse lepers that he wants to be cleansed? Won't he just raise the dead people that he only wants to be raised? No. He said to them, you go heal the sick. You go cast out devils. Notice, if they didn't obey him and go do it, it wouldn't get done. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that there are people who have died in the world at any given point in time that in New Testament church? that have not heard the gospel? Of course there are. There are probably millions of people that have died without ever hearing the gospel message preached. Is that God's fault? No. It is the church of God's fault that we didn't do what we were called to do. And so if people do not hear the gospel, God's not to blame, the church is to blame. Why? Because God's not in control, notice that, of everything. There's still free will. We still have to obey his word and do what he's called us to do. And so this is why I say this is an excuse for laziness. Because, uh, exactly, that's a great point that uh, uh, my friend Alan's making. If God was in control, the word if would not exist in the Bible. You look at all the blessings of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28, if you will diligently hearken to the commands that I'm giving you this day, then I will set you on high above all the nations of the world. If then is covenant language, not promise language, covenant. If you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. And the point Pastor Allen's making is, why would God say that if he just did all the things he wanted to do without any human interaction? They had to obey in order to get the blessings. And so 
God is in control is a, an excuse for laziness so that Christians don't have to do what they're called to do. I heard, uh, or I should say I read, Dr. John G. Lake say one time, any theology that puts the responsibility all on God is a lazy theology. Any theology that puts all the responsibility on God is a lazy theology. Why? It's, it's a weak man's gospel. Well, if God knows my need, he'll, one day he'll come through and bless me with what he knows I need. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You've got to obtain the promises of God. You've got to obtain the blessings of God. We have a responsibility to interact with his word, interact with his spirit, and pull our blessings by faith out of the unseen realm. And so understand that today. Very important point. When people just go around saying, well, God's in control, brother. If that's the case, why should we evangelize at all? Why should we ever evangelize if God's in control? Because he knows who he wants to bring to heaven and who won't make it. So whether we preach or not, whether we evangelize or not, the right people will make it and the wrong people won't. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. We must do our part, then God will do his part. The Holy Spirit doesn't work for you and you don't work for him. He works with you. That's what the book of Acts says. And the Spirit of God worked with them, signs following. Worked with them. When you go, he goes with you. He doesn't go for you and you don't go for him. He doesn't stay at home while you go. He works with you. The Holy Spirit works with you. But it means that you've got to take action in order for these things to take place. So don't ever just take that as at face value anymore. Well, you know, brother, God's in control. God's in control. No, there are, there are things we can do that will limit the hand of God in our lives and cause destruction rather than blessing. No question about it. Number three, uh, the, the third one, which makes me laugh all the time, is this, this lie. I guess God had other plans. I hear that all the time. Well, brother, I was thinking this, but I guess God had other plans. I was believing for this, but I guess God had other plans, brother. No, that's an excuse for powerlessness. An excuse for powerlessness. So the first one, an excuse for weakness. The second lie, an excuse for laziness. And this third lie, I guess God had other plans. An excuse for powerlessness. You know, it takes power to activate the power of God in your life. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a quick explanation. Every believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit is filled with the fullness of God's power. There's no more power to get than what you've got. It's important to know that. People stand around the altar and they lift their hands. God, we just want more of you, more. There's, I know what they mean. I know their heart is right, but there's no more to get. You can't get more of him. You've got it. You've got it. You have salvation and you've got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Ephesians 3.19 in the Amplified Version says that you become a body that is filled and flooded with God himself. How can you get more than filled and flooded with God himself? He overflows from you, filling you to the brim and overflowing with his Holy Spirit. You can't get more. It's just that people don't release what they do have. It's important to use what you do have. What do I mean by that? Well, I've always explained it. Uh, like a dam. I used to give a computer analogy, but I, I realized most people don't understand the inner workings of computers enough to understand it. So I changed it to a dam. So if you, if you, 
understand how a dam works, they build the wall, holding back all of that water from a river or whatever it may be, and then down below, the water level is, is normalized or low. And you might look at that and say, well, that, wa- that, that river is not that uh, powerful. Well, it is. It's just all being held up behind the dam. And if you were to have three or four bricks from the middle of the dam break out, you'd see a, a small stream of water shooting out from the dam. Now, you could point at that and say, well, that's, that's not that powerful. That, that's, that's not that powerful. It's just a little stream of water. Yeah, that's because that's how big the hole is. Let me put some dynamite or C4 explosive all over the wall and blow it. And then you'll see the full force rushing out of that dam and destroying villages and towns below, washing them out. So you understand that you can almost only release as much power behind that wall as there is an opening to release it. The wall represents your flesh nature and the water behind the wall represents the power of God. The reason that many believers are not able to release the power of God is because they've not crucified their flesh to the point that they need to. Paul actually said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He said, I put my body under on a daily basis so that after having preached to others, I myself may not become a reprobate or a castaway, the King James says, unqualified or disqualified, another translation says. What Paul was saying was, it doesn't matter how much I preach this message, if I don't live it, I can literally miss out on the blessings of God because I don't crucify this flesh. Jesus said the same uh, thing in concept to the disciples. Notice this, Uh, in Mark 9, 29, when they were asking him why they could not cast a demon out of a boy brought by his parents. Uh, And the reason they were confused is because they'd already been anointed to cast out demons and they had already cast out some demons before. So now they get up on this boy with a demon that they can't cast out and they're confused by it. Jesus, you know, the the parents said, hey, we, we brought our son to your disciples and they couldn't cast the demon out of him. And he said, you faithless generation, How long do I have to be with you? This is found in Mark chapter nine. Then finally, at the end of the story, the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And he said, because of your unbelief. And this kind of demon does not come out except by prayer. And some translations add, and fasting. So understand what Jesus was saying. You've got the power to do it, You just weren't able to release it because your dedication level is so low. I'm praying through the night and you guys aren't praying enough. You're not fasting. Notice what Jesus was telling them. You've got the power, but if you would dedicate yourself and put your flesh under, you'd be able to release the power like I'm doing. Notice what, this is important, because notice what Jesus did not say. You know, sometimes we can learn just as much by what Jesus didn't say as by what he did say. Because we've got a a Bible here that tells us Jesus had the spirit without measure. You know, the Bible says that about Jesus. He had the spirit without measure. But why, when they asked him this question, did he not say, well, the reason you couldn't cast it out is because I have the spirit without measure and you don't. Uh, No, he didn't use that. He didn't didn't even try to make a, a distinction between I'm the son of God and you're just disciple. He didn't do that. What did he say? 
The reason you couldn't cast the demon out is because of your lack of prayer and fasting. And if you would get to some prayer and fasting, your flesh would be crucified and you'd be able to blow that dam open and release the power of God to cast out every demon. Isn't that interesting? So to say, well, I guess God had other plans because that's what people do, you know, when they pray for people and they don't get healed or they pray for people and the, you know, they don't get saved or whatever it might be. You know, they, that's, that's their, that's their uh, you know, their workaround to explain what happened. Well, brother, you know, I prayed for him for a month and, you know, it just didn't work. I guess God had other plans. You hear that all the time. Well, brother, I, I guess God just had other plans. Yeah, his plans are revealed in his word. That's where his plans are revealed. They're not in some, you know, uh, secret revelation somebody got somewhere. Well, I really truly found out the plans of God and what they're, no, his plans are revealed in his written word. So if you find it here, that's God's plan. Show me a place in the New Testament where Jesus ministered to people and he would not heal them, deliver them, you know, help them. In fact, in the, when there were times where people's unbelief kept them from receiving his help, it bothered him greatly. Read Mark chapter six, if you want, verses one through six. You can read it for yourself. He goes back to Nazareth to minister to his own people and it, they couldn't. He said he could do their no mighty work because of their unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief. And the Bible says he went around the villages teaching and preaching. Why? Because teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And so Jesus was so bothered by their unbelief that he worked to change their unbelief into faith. You understand? That's good. Joel said, James Stalker, who I don't, I don't know who that is. I, I'm going to have to look it up said this, Christ restores the lost predominance of the spirit of man by taking possession of it by his own spirit. However, the flesh does not indeed easily submit to the loss of supremacy. The flesh clogs and obstructs the spirit and fights to regain possession of the throne of the human constitution. I agree with that. Fasting brings the flesh to its lowest place. Prayer brings our spirit to its rightful place. That's a powerful quote. And I agree with every word. Your flesh will always try to take over, always. Paul taught that. There's a war in my members. I want to do what's right, and I find myself sometimes not doing it. Fasting brings the flesh to its lowest place. Prayer brings our spirit to its rightful place. Powerful. Powerful. And it's true. We're filled with power, but we've got to be able to release that power. Doesn't, it, it, it does not matter how much power you have if you cannot release that power. It does not matter. It'll only benefit you internally, but it won't benefit others. And that's a waste of time because you're called to be a minister, an ambassador of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. So that's the third lie. I guess God had other plans. Can you imagine if they would say, if they would have said that when they got to the Red Sea after the exodus from Egypt? Oh, I thought we were going to the promised land. But I guess God had other plans, brother. Hallelujah. No. They just, what did they do? Followed the instruction of God and moved the obstacle and kept on moving. Can you imagine if they did, Jesus did that when uh, uh, Jairus' daughter, he was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5, and a messenger came from the house. Don't bother the master any further. She's dead now. 
And Jesus would have looked at Jairus and said, well, I was coming to heal her, but I guess my father had other plans for your daughter. No. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Continued to the house, raised her from the dead. You can't live like that. Well, I guess God, if you find a covenant promise in God's word, don't ever confess that it didn't come to pass because God had other plans. He doesn't make plans that contradict his written word. Write that in the comments, every person watching. God doesn't make plans that contradict his written word. God does not make plans that contradict his written word. Doesn't happen. It does not happen. Does not happen. Pop it in the comment section. This broadcast is sponsored by Diet Sunkissed Orange. This broadcast is also sponsored by Bosco Brushes. Sponsored by Adidas and the Flemingistas. Um, <laughs> let me give you number four. Put it in the comments section. God doesn't make plans that contradict his written word. Thank you. That's exactly right. Let, let me go to number four as you're writing that. Number four, the fourth lie that is dangerous and it's destructive is this. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. Hallelujah. People say that stuff all the time. I'll tell you, get ready. They're always pushing God's moving and his power and his miracles out into the future at some point. Well, revival's going to come, brother. Revival's coming. That's an excuse for fruitlessness. That's the fourth one. Revival is coming. An excuse for fruitlessness. What do I mean by that? Let me read to you Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, look at this. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. What happened? They got revived and it sparked them to go and bring the gospel of Christ to the known world, turn it upside down. That was Acts chapter four, verses 29 through 31. Revival's coming, brother. It's always pushed off into the future. Why don't you just start revival? Why don't you just recognize I am revival? Wherever I go, I am revival. I'm filled with the spirit of revival. How do I know? The Holy Spirit that's in you is the life-giving spirit that revives. I mean, listen, if he revived Jesus dead body from a tomb he can revive dead friends a dead congregation a dead group of people the only let me let me just say this you are responsible for your own fire that that right there if people would just understand that one thing one thing and i want you to write it in the comments in all capital letters like a crazy ex-girlfriend that's jealous of her new boyfriend's girlfriend on Facebook or Instagram. All capital letters. I'm responsible for my own fire. I'm responsible for my own fire. Please put that in the comments quickly. I'm responsible for my own fire. 
What does that mean? Why are we saying that? Why are we saying I'm responsible for my own fire? Can you imagine how crazy it would be to um, go to a campsite where a bunch of people are camping and everybody's got their own campfire and then you're sitting there and yours was going good for a while and then it starts burning down and it burns down. Now it's just coals and now even the coals are starting to darken. Can you imagine how foolish it would be to look around at the other campers and say, these people can't even, can't even keep a fire going around these people. It's ridiculous. Look at all these other campers sitting out here by their RVs and their tents. I can't even keep a fire going, these people. No, it's your fire. It's your fire. If you want it to burn, throw some wood on it. You've got the wood. Don't look at, don't look at somebody else and expect them to come put wood on your fire. Don't, don't, don't look at somebody else and say, well, I wish they'd get over here and help me get this fire. No, you're responsible for your own fire. If your fire's not burning, you've not fed the fire. If my fire's not burning, I've let it die down. I've let it go to coals, and now even the coals are getting cold. I'm responsible for my fire. I'm responsible for my hunger. I'm responsible for my fervor. I'm responsible for my dedication. I'm responsible for my prayer life. I'm responsible for my fasting life. I'm responsible for my study life. I'm responsible for my praise life. Nobody else. I heard Bishop David Oyedepo say one time, he said, nobody can pray for you. Do your praying for you. People can pray for you, but they can't do your praying for you. Nobody can do your fasting for you. Nobody can do your praising for you. Nobody can do your giving for you. Nobody can do your studying for you. You've got to do it. I'm, I'm responsible for my own fire. If it's burning low, if it's down to coals, if the coals are getting cold, I have got my own problem. I've got to throw wood on my fire. John G. Lake, I thought this was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Allen's giving give us a word here. Revival fire must be received by faith, just like healing or anything else. Now, faith receives it in the now. Not saying it's coming some days. No, receive it now. What, what do you think caused this place to shake? They all got together in unity. They all began to pray. They all began to seek the face of God. And as they got into unity, as they prayed, as they spoke to God, and as they praised him, because if you study what they said, they also praised him, God came and shook that place and they were all refilled with the Holy Ghost and began to preach with boldness. If we could get into unity, if we could get to a place where we would pray consistently, if we would praise consistently, if we would fill ourselves with the word consistently, if we would give consistently, let me tell you something, God will shake you up. He'll shake you, but I can't wait to, well, I wish my pastor, especially in this day and age, if the only thing that you're waiting for is a, is a, a word on Sunday morning and that's all you eat through the whole week, Imagine what your body would look like if you only ate one meal on Sunday morning every week. That's all you ate. Your body would waste away. And there's Christians, their spirits are wasting away because all the food they get for their spirit is a Sunday morning meal. And that's it. And now the statistics, you know what statistics tell us? That the average Christian attends church once, one Sunday out of the month, the average Christian. One Sunday out of the month. So imagine it, let's go even, even more in depth with that. You're eating one meal 
one Sunday out of the month. So basically you're eating one meal a month. Your body would waste away to nothing, to nothing. And that's how many believers are in their spirit life. They've wasted away. Why? They feed their flesh so much daily. They feed their flesh with food, but then they feed their soul with carnal things, feed their flesh with carnal things. They feed themselves daily, all this other stuff, and they get one snack each month from the spirit realm. And then they wonder, why aren't my prayers answered? Why am I weak in faith? Why are things that? Because you're not feeding the right thing. There's no fire. You've got to put wood on your own fire. I find it interesting that Dr. John G. Lake, who one of the greatest healing ministers of all time, who had over 100,000 documented miracles in a span of 10 years in Spokane, Washington, in his healing rooms, he said, if there's anything I could impart to Christians all over the world, any element, anything at all, he didn't say it would be healing. He didn't say it would be miracles. He didn't say any of those things. You know what he said? I would impart to them spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. He said, that's what Christians need. Why? The Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's a filling that comes to you when you get a spiritual hunger. God promises to fill you. He promises to fill you. These lies, these lies will destroy the life of a believer because it puts you in passive mode. It throws your life into cruise control. And as a result, it really destroys your purpose. It destroys what you're able to do for the kingdom, destroys your increase. And so these things have to be dealt with. That's why I want to take time because as you understand this, it's, it's, it's important to pr think properly about who God's made you to be, to think properly about what you're called to do. And that truth will set you free. That truth opens up doors for you to do things you've never done before and for things to continue to increase for you. That's God's plan. Never ending increase for your life. Never ending increase for your life. Let me pray for those of you that are watching and also those that are listening on the podcast. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man or woman that's watching this or listening to this now, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd fill them up with a spiritual hunger, to not, not just to read your word, not just to pray, but to witness, to evangelize, to praise you, to get into your presence. Stir us, every one of us, as we're seeking. Do what you did for the prophet Jeremiah when you said that when we seek after you with our whole heart, we will find you. Let us find you in 2020. Let us find you and have an encounter a powerful encounter with you in this year of 2020, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that as we do, everything around us is changing. Now I pray for those that are battling sickness and disease today, those that are battling anxiety and depression, those that are dealing with issues with their loved ones, relationship problems. Maybe you're going through legal issues. I pray the prayer of faith for you now in Jesus' name. I take authority over every attack of the enemy against your life. I rebuke it commanded to loose its grip upon your life today in Jesus' mighty name. We give you, Lord, praise, glory, and honor, and thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, on this Monday, let me encourage every person watching and listening on the podcast to step out by faith today and sow a seed by that faith. If you're believing like I am that 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase an expedited favor. Let me tell you something. Increase doesn't come accidentally or randomly. 
it comes because we access it by faith. And one of the areas to see supernatural financial increase in your life is you've got to activate God's system of sowing and reaping to receive your harvest. And so today, pray and ask the Lord, what am I supposed to be sowing today by the power of God that will bring the harvest that I'm believing for into my life? Some of you, listen, it's time. It's time in 2020 to take some serious steps in the kingdom. Maybe you've never gotten that serious in your sowing life before. Maybe you've never even sown a $1,000 offering in the history of your Christian life. You have to ask yourself, how long am I going to be a Christian before I start taking big steps for the kingdom? I mean, how long am I going to serve the Lord before I start doing things that are significant? And so today I'm, I'm challenging you that are watching and listening to sow something that is significant to you. What does that mean? Something that it takes faith to release, something that you feel that your flesh tries to stop you from doing. And so I want you to ask the Lord, what is that thing for me? Because it's not the same for everybody. You might be watching and $1,000 would be a massive step of faith. However, you might be watching and $1,000 wouldn't mean as much to you. And so you have to do something greater because of where God's placed you, of previous faithfulness. So on your screen, you can see the multiple ways to sow a seed into this ministry. You can use miracleword.com, our website, which is the easiest place to give at any given period of time. Um, you can either partner with us there or sow a one-time seed. And I would encourage you, because Carolyn and I have prayed and asked the Lord to attach with us, to us, people that have a vision to see God do what he wants to do in these final moments of time. People that are ready to see souls saved at unprecedented numbers, people healed, changed. If I, I could sit here for the next 30 minutes and give you the testimonies of miracles just from January. That's how quick God's moving in 2020. And so I wanna encourage you to consider prayerfully partnering with Miracle Word Ministries on a monthly basis. We have many people that are partnered at $85 a month, which is what we suggest. That's $1,000 a year, but others are doing much more, 100, 200, 500 a month. Do what the Lord speaks to you to do. If you like to use an app to give, you can use PayPal or you can use Cash App or Venmo. We take both of those as well. And the username is MWGive, as you see there on the screen. MWGive for Cash App, MWGive for Venmo. And of course, the email for PayPal is also on the screen. If you'd like to mail a check, our address is on the website and you can get it from there. Or if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate as Joel did in the comments section and so right from the comments. And I wanna say a big thank you to every person that's sewing today. We really, really love and appreciate every per person partnering with us. And uh, you're gonna be getting a letter from me here shortly. Um, I'm gonna be, that I'm sending out to you how to make 2020 the greatest year you've ever had, have, have ever had in the history of your life. And uh, I've, put a, I've put something together for you to read. It's gonna stir your faith and give you some fresh direction for the rest of this year. And those of you that are stand, standing with us, sowing seeds, uh, being a blessing, we're gonna be sending that to you in just a few days. I like that, Joel. Giving seed gives your praise something to water and then God brings the increase. I like that. That's a great quote. Yes, it will. Tammy, it'll be, you, you'll be able to watch the replay on Facebook or YouTube or Periscope. Um, we, don't, we don't take them down. Uh, you'll be able to re-watch it on any of those platforms. And, Tammy, it'll also be on the podcast today, very shortly after the broadcast is over. 
If you guys have not subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, let me encourage you to do that. And let me say, if you've not uh, subscribed to our YouTube channel, listen, it would mean a lot to me if you guys would take a minute to do that today. Um, Just search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. on YouTube. You'll see my channel. And uh, if you would subscribe, it would mean the world to me. I'd really appreciate it. And then you'll be notified every time we're putting out new videos um, on YouTube. We have, I think, well over 100 videos up for you guys for free uh, that you can use at any time. People are using them in small groups. People are using them in their youth groups. Um, I did a, um, a whole huge series of question and answer style videos that are very short. They're like four or five minutes answering a single question. And uh, we've had a lot of people use those in small groups, churches, youth groups, and it'll stir your faith and build your faith. So it's our full library of videos. They're all free and you can get them today just by subscribing to uh, our YouTube channel. And I want to say I love you guys so much. Thanks for giving, guys. I really appreciate it. For every person that that sows $1,000 or more this month of February, we have these beautiful, uh, genuine leather study Bibles that are in the New Living Translation, and I'm going to sign one and send it to your family as my thank you uh, to you that are standing with us at $1,000 or more this month. This thing is gorgeous, man. I, I got I got a copy when I went back to Virginia Beach last week. Uh, Jenna had them in the office, and I, I picked one up. And I was like, man, this is so nice. I'm taking one with me. And so it's the Life Application Study Bible filled with awesome notes, maps, profiles on Bible characters, timelines, um, themes of the books, uh, background on the books. It's They're excellent for study, excellent for studying the Word. And uh, so we're going to shoot you one. For those of you that are standing with us, I really appreciate it. Don't forget, if you'd like to uh, text me, uh, go to miracleword.com forward slash text. Fill out that information and uh, I will send you a new and the last, by the way, free preview of the upcoming book, Un- or not uh, Unhang Your Heart, that's already out, Further Faster. Further Faster is coming out this month in Jesus' name. It's coming out this month. Uh, and we'll, I'll text you a link to download the latest chapter for free of this brand new book. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blessing to you, man. And I'm so pumped to get it into your hands. Uh, and by the way, those of you that partner with us and those of you that pre-ordered the book and have been waiting, we're doing a special edition hardcover uh, with a dust jacket for Further Faster. First time we've ever done this history of our ministry. And uh, we're going to be sending you the hardcover edition for those that are partners and also those that pre-ordered the book already. Uh, you're going to get the hard copy, which is going to be awesome. I can't wait to get it out and I'm looking forward to it. I love you guys so very much. Do not forget to see me again tomorrow right here, 10.30 a.m. in the morning, in the a.m. I'll be back with you. I love you guys so much. Appreciate you. Hey, if you guys didn't do it, don't forget to check out the brand new faith course at Miracle Word U. All you have to do is go to MiracleWordU, the letter U, dot com and uh, go check it out. This will bless you in a massive way. I love you so much. Appreciate you hanging out with me all morning and uh, have a powerful day and I'll see you guys again very soon. Have a good one. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.